So I took 20 athletes with me, or 19 athletes. I was the 20. We sat in our suite <clears throat> at, at this water park, you know, on one of our open sessions, and we had a kumbaya moment. And I just asked, looked around and said, guys, tell the group something that nobody would ever know about your life. I had three kids. And the, the first kid came out open with it and like, I don't even know who my dad is. Wow. And then, and then, you know, this, and then we found out that 19 out of the 20 of us had broken homes, including myself, right? Where parents, you know, are split or mm -hmm. we had three kids didn't even know who their dad was. Never met them, never knew, don't even know their name, right? That opened up a whole can of a whole new step back and go, we got to do something different here. Welcome back to another episode of Coats in Conversation, where we have discussions around lifestyle, mental health, and education. I'm your host, Kendrick Coates. Looking forward and excited for the conversation that we're going to have today. But before we get started, be sure to go out, like, and subscribe, Coats in Conversation. You can find episodes on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Be sure to follow the Coats in Conversation Instagram page as well. So the guest that we have today, longtime friend, mentor, coach. He's a father, husband, teacher, mentor got Corey Christensen of Pontiac Township High School. And Corey's got a long history of experience in coaching and also an athlete. Uh, he graduated from Augustana College. He was a three-sport athlete in football, wrestling, and track, and was inducted into the Hall of Fame, where the Tribe of Vikings is what they call it there at Augie in 2016. He's on the IWCOA Executive Board, which is the Association for Wrestling in the state of Illinois. He's been on the IHSA Advisory Committee for Coaches. He graduated with a master's from Ohio University in Science and Recreational Sports. Coached one year at Augustana for men's track, three years teaching for Seneca High School, two years teaching and coaching at Leiden High School. He's been the head wrestling coach at Pontiac High School uh, for 17 years and is now the head coach for Pontiac Township High School. And he's been coaching there for seven years. Coach Corey Christensen, looking forward to having this conversation today. I know in the past we've talked about sports and, you know, how athletes approach their sport, anxieties, mental health issues. But before we get the episode kicked off today, um, I want to know what influenced you in getting involved in coaching. I've been privileged enough to be around some of the best coaches and best people in, you know, I see in the world. Um, I had great role models as parents and grandparents. My, my support system was unbelievable for my sister and myself. Uh, my dad was a coach and retired as a coach, athletic director. My dad was my coach in three sports. Um, just to kind of funny on that is my dad and I, my junior and senior year, didn't have to even talk when we did things. We did everything off of hand signals and, and facial recognition of what we were talking about. So we can talk about that as well. 
Um, in other words, we were, were pretty connected on there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Coach Ganaway, Dave Ganaway was, you know, a big influence in my life. I've had lots of great, great people in my life, you know, uh, growing up around dad and around the, the different people. My mom was my mental coach, you know, at home and, and uh, in competition field and throughout college. Uh, moving into college, uh, Dr. Paul Olson was my head track coach and one of the most influential people in my life. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play for Coach Bob Reed, uh, and anybody knows anything about football uh, in Augustana history, he is the man. Uh, and then Coach Kevin Pueba, I wrestled for at Augie as well. So um, those are the pillars you know, and the people surrounding that um, and all the assistant coaches involved with all those great teams and great coaches that I was fortunate enough to be around. There's too many people to, you know, talk about, but just so lucky to have such positive influences in my life. And that's one major thing going into this is I made sure that anything that was around me was a positive factor. If there was anything negative, it was not going to be in my life. Wow. So, yeah, long history. It sounds like you had just an awesome support circle to guide you and mentor you through the whole process. And we'll get into this uh, later on in the episode. I'm sure it has influenced you and, you know, your coaching and how you uh, deal with athletes. So have you seen yourself over the years adapt or evolve to the differences in coaching style now from your early years to now? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming out of college, you know, you're a little vinner, you know, and you're just still in the competition mode, right? And everybody's going to come step up to that level, that, that playing field that you, that you envision what's, what it, you know, what your norm was and, uh, <clears throat> pretty intense, you know, um, I would say up until about seven years ago, said 10 to seven years ago is when I really took that step back coaching wise and looking at, you know, the glass is half full or half empty. And I made a really big change in how I approached things. Um, I got out of wrestling four years ago. I say this jokingly, they dragged me back in this year. My kids started wrestling again. So I came back and I was willing to help with open arms. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. But um, you, when, when I was coaching, like I said, if it's not positive, then it needs to be out of my life. So with being a coach, a teacher, a husband, a dad, um, coaching three sports, you know, not being able to go get, see my kids stuff. There was a lot of stress involved, right? And stress is just the ugliest monster on the planet. And I talk all the time to my athletes and my students about stress and how you have to put family first and how you have to talk about stress, 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 and get rid of your stress. And then, you know, about seven years ago, I said, hey, Mr. Stress, you're not following your rules, you know? So I got out of football to focus, you know, more energy towards my family. Uh, then I got out of wrestling, 
to focus more energy towards my family because my kids were now involved in, in sports and I wanted to go be a dad in the stands and go be supportive like my parents were supportive with me. And I just felt that that was what I needed to do for myself because I'd been giving and giving and giving and giving for 21 years of being there for everybody else. I, I needed to be there for my own kids, my own family, for my wife. I'd imagine that when you made that shift to get out of the other two sports and just primarily primarily focus on track, did you have a new sense of, uh, were, were you reborn in a sense as far as having this new energy with coaching and just focusing on one thing? It was strange. I mean, it was really, really, really strange. Um, when I got out of football, you know, there was a there was a window there for a couple of years where it was, I was just doing head wrestling and head track. So I was overlapping. Um, I was also an assistant coach under Coach Young um, for uh, for 17 years, you know, or, you know, whatever, for, for lots of years. Let's just say that. And congratulations so to him for, you know, just getting inducted into the Hall of Fame as well. Going back, back to the people before is, you know, Dave Young who, like you just said, he's not only been inducted this year to the Track and Field Hall of Fame, but he's also been inducted to the Football Hall of Fame. And I was fortunate enough to have his mentorship, you know. So, and I mean, that's a huge part. And he and I, you co you were coached by him. And, you know, he and I played the, the, the fire and ice game really well, where who's going to be good cop and bad cop today? And we got to take turns, you know, so, and we were really good at it, you know, so, but just getting that time, like you were asking for your family and your, your mental health, right? Your, your, your stress level, right? That was what it was, is it was so much stress and I didn't identify it because I was never taking time to identify because I didn't have time to take time to identify that. I was struggling, you know what I mean? And um, I, I took a step back and yeah, I mean, from day one, I never looked back. Things on the positive feed and on the positive energy and the people who, you know, that, that the kids are picking up the culture of what we're trying to send. And if it's not positive, don't even bother coming. Yeah, I like that that mindset because there are times where you know, one or two athletes for a whole team, whether it be 25, 50, 75 kids can literally shift the dynamics of that whole team. And so when you say, don't even show up unless you're going to bring a positive attitude, you're already setting the culture for what you want the team to be. And, you know, being a former athlete, when you have positivity or when you have a an environment that cultivates and appreciates and respects and is excited about the positivity you then don't have to and I don't know how you are but I remember when I was coaching you don't have to coach as much because then you have other athletes just kind of jumping in and supporting each other so you have a large dynamic of family culture which is so important which kind of takes us into our our next question is when we when people talk about athletic performance I don't think a lot of people always talk about mental health. It's not always top of mind. So what role do you believe coaches play in promoting mental health amongst athletes? I think they're a huge, huge role. You know, um, they're there. They're the, they're the supporting staff of the parents. 
or lack thereof parents, right? Um, we're the one the kids want. You know, that's what our hope is, right? Is they show up to our sport or they're showing up to their sport. They want to go there because they want to play, right? They want to have fun. That's what sport is, is go have fun. Um, sometimes we lose that factor. Our rule, number one rule is fun, fundamentals, fun. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If we're not having fun, we're not doing it anymore. If we're not having fun, it's your job as the athlete to come to me, have a sit down with me or just bring, bring a posse of your boys or girls and say, hey, coach, this stinks. Good. Let's talk about it. What, what do I need to fix? Because I can't, I can't fix anything if I don't know it's broken. And mm -hmm. that's something that I've really been open to my athletes, trying to be open to you guys. I was like, hey, man, just bring it to me and say it any way you want. Just make sure the door is closed and nobody else can hear it, <laughs> right. you know. But we have, a, you know, to develop a relationship with each kid on that team and that program. You have to know what their, their intrinsic, extrinsic motivations are so that we can understand why they're having that bad day or why do they need that day off of practice or, you know, hey, man, I know you're not clicking. You're not smiling today. You're always smiling. What's going on? Well, you know, mom, mom's been sick. Well, why didn't you say anything? Well, I didn't want to bug you with it. Dude, no. You know? Yeah. So, you know, take care of each other. Take care of your brothers. Take care of your sisters. It's a family. You know, everybody wants to say, we're a family, right? But can you really look at your team and say, they are a family? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I know you had a pretty special group of guys. Um, but, you know, the the – the ability to get these kids to understand, you know, that you're there for them, but not just act like it, but really be there truly for that. And everybody on your coaching staff and then picking your leaders, you know, whether you're picking the leaders or you watch the kids pick the leaders. Yeah. And are they the good leaders? And, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's fa fascinating about that is you're, when you talk about, you know, bring it to me, let me process it for you. Let me figure out what's going to work for you. As me being a marriage and family therapist in training, you know, some of the things that we talk about is being able to, as a therapist, being able to regulate your own emotions to open up space for other people. And when you were talking about how you had to kind of move away from, you know, the wrestling head, wrestling head. Uh, or assistant football, you now have gathered your ability to regulate other people because you've been able to regulate yourself by decreasing the stress. And so I'm sure, you know, if you can go into explain how it's been from, you know, an athlete who maybe not may not have a strong support system, how is have you seen that play out to you being able to open up that spaces for those type of athletes? Here's an example I can use. Uh, one of the last years I went to the Malachek wrestling camp up in uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, I took uh, 20 kids. Well, I took 20 of us, me being one of the kids, I guess. So I was the, the adult on charge, right? So I took 20 athletes with me, or 19 athletes. I was the 20. We sat in our suite <clears throat> at, at this water park, you know, on one of our open sessions, and we had a kumbaya moment. And I just asked, looked around and said, guys, 
tell the group something that nobody would ever know about your life. I had three kids and the, the first kid came out open with it and like, I don't even know who my dad is. Wow. And then, and then, you know, this, and then we found out that 19 out of the 20 of us had broken homes, including myself, right? Where the parents, you know, are split or mm -hmm. we had three kids and didn't even know who their dad was. Never met them, never knew, don't even know their name, right? That opened up a whole can of a whole new step back and go, we got to do something different here, right? So stuff like that is the big, you know, it was like, we got to do team bonding. We got to do, you know, uh, icebreakers, right? Which that's what it was, but it was a legitimate moment because we had 20 of us crying like two-year-olds that beat their pants on the playground. You know what I mean? Because it was awesome. I mean, it was it was a defining moment of of guys truly together in one spot for each other. That's awesome. Like I got goosebumps now that you you've told me that because I didn't know about that. And it's literally you're having a I don't know a, a group therapy session, and you can't quote it as therapy, but essentially it's we're going to come to the table and just dump all of our crap. And this is what it is. And the bond that you talk about and just the change in the rest of the season, you've now become closer as a unit. And so now you're moving as a unit. You're thinking as a unit because everybody knows everyone on the team is going through something. And I think that's an important piece, especially for high school athletes when, you know, I, I was an internalizer. So I internalized a lot of things when I was in high school. So being able to just get it out so that it wasn't sitting in my body, I was able to perform at a higher level. So you creating that space, and you said, you know, last year being able to uh, go, into, go into state, it's like you're cultivating those things for the journey that a lot of these kids are going through. And it's like, hey, we've gotten to the end. We've shared all these things. Man, I love you, brother, because it's it's a family. And, and that's an important piece. So when you know we're talking about athletes and mental health have you noticed an increase in mental health concerns amongst high school athletes in recent years and if so why do you think this is i would say yes um i mean with covid you know how people handled covid that let that each in individual right mm -hmm. and we won't even touch that but with that, that's part of it, right? So I jokingly, as I teach my classes and, and when I teach my co when I coach my kids and walking through the halls and I, you know, you've been around me I, every morning, anytime I'm in the hallway, I try to make eye contact and say, hi, how are you? Good morning. And, you know, just be positive, right? Because kids need that. I still have people who just blink at me, right? Like, is this guy crazy? Absolutely. You know, but... um you know, I'll ask questions in class and kids still blink at me. And I'm like, hey, it's okay. I understand you're a COVID kid and you didn't talk to anybody for two years. It's time to snap out of it, right? And we use that as a, you know, I use that as a joke and the kids know I'm joking about that. But, you know, the other thing that we're working really hard on is listening to directions, following directions from oral directions. Our kids, the, this generation can 
you can text them directions, you can email them directions, and they will nail it, video, anything. You tell them what you want to have done, and they blink at you. They don't know how to follow their directions, <laughs> and it makes me crazy because you know you, you coach by me. I tell you one time, man, and we, we need to go, right? Yeah. So there's so much going on on external, like so many, I'll just native influences out there that are trying to steamroll scare tactics or whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, it's just, there's a lot of negative out there that, that kids are, whether it be social media or this and that, you know, video games, you know, they're the devil, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, my kids all play video games. Come on. You know, um, it's out there. Right. And it's how are we going to channel that back in? Uh, I guess you better squirrel me back in and, and tell me what the question was yeah. again. But um, yeah, there's a, you, you mentioned COVID, which I think that's a good point. You know, kids have, we'll just say two years. Some didn't have sports. Some weren't around friends. Some weren't, I mean, around we talked about broken homes they're completely in these broken environments and not having that outlet to come to sports or practice or competitions or just like you mentioned school so what have you seen now that you know we're kind of past that per se Mm -hmm. what have you seen now how the athletes or students have adapted we had an immediate like 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 the numbers just kind of took off around here because kids were so excited to get back involved, mm. right? Like, Hey, we actually get to do something. You know, I use the word play, you know, coach Gasson uses the word compete, right? You know, so, and I, you know, and then we'll get to that challenge, you know, but it's fun. We are talking the same thing. It's just on different levels. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where, to get the kids back into it and the, the, the mental health aspect where the want to, right? Everything I do is we got to want to do it, right? You remember that when, yep, when I absolutely. told you, was, you know, especially when you were coming back from your knee injury, right? So it, we, but we, we got to find a way to want to again, right? We got, why do, why do we want to go through all this rehab? Why, why? What's the purpose, right? We have to have goals. And you and I talked about this uh, on the car ride. Um, goals. What's your goals? Go back to good old fashioned. Sit down with your, your coach in the, in the 80s and 90s. And we had the, the, the note cards and we had to put out our goals, right? And what are your goals of the season, your short term, your long term? You remember this from Coach Olson. I stole from Coach Olson at Augie is – the, the, the wheel, the spokes in the wheel and the salmon ladder, you know, uh, you know, what spokes, how are we going to make that wheel strong? You know, what spokes are we putting in to make it strong? Oh, well, you know, I got a bad grade on the test. Okay. Boom. Here's that. There's that spoke. Um, my girlfriend and I broke up. Oh, there's two more spokes that just got taken away. And you're a knight and a coaching opinion might have been two spokes put in. Right. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, it's just a, the matter of how you go about looking at things. Um, the kid's ability and the want to to get back to want to, 
You know, right, right. we want to get them into the weight room. We want to get them, you know, kids, we, kids got it. They're lifting, but we need to train them. You know, how do we, what's the, are we teaching them the difference between want to and have to? Are we teaching the parents what the kids need and versus what the parents want? Right. So that's a good point there, because I think I, I've seen it myself in the years of coaching experience that I have to where there are some parents that are just they're more involved or their want is more than their actual athlete which makes it difficult from a coaching perspective to keep athletes motivated because yes the athlete why are you here oh I don't know my mom wants me to be here well (laughs) it's good it's difficult sometimes coaching that type of athlete because the desire and the want is not at the level that it should be because ultimately the athlete has to want it for his or herself. So going into, from a performance standpoint, we all know that, you know, sports, we don't always have our A game. And again, as a former coach, I remember some athletes had this expectation of needing to have a perfect game or race every single competition. We know that's not possible. So how do you help athletes cope with those type of stressors and pressures after a bad performance? They're going to happen. The, 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 why did that happen, right? Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to jump off a cliff every single time and say the number one reason why you had a bad game performance is stress. What stressed you out? What stressor was in the back of your brain? Why did you have that weight on your shoulders, right? So my whole thing is where can we alleviate that stress? The next thing I will go to is diet. Right. What did you put into your body that you perform? Like, let's look at, you know, people go, well, you got to have sleep and diet. I'm the diet aspect is people don't realize that they're allergic to gluten. They don't realize that they are allergic or they react poorly to red and blue dyes. People don't realize that they're allergic to milk or citrus. Right. Am I a doctor? No, I'm not, but I'm allergic to citrus. I'm allergic to milk. I do not handle red and blue dyes well. Uh, my, uh, I have my own kids and my wife are allergic to gluten, right? So I physically watch what happens to myself. You've been around me when I've had citrus, right? I'm all over the board. I'm not a fun person to be around. I lose my brain, right? So when you can't functionally or rationally figure out what's going on, we got to step back and look at why. Why did we have that bad performance? Hey, you know, hey, buddy, whether it's a guy or girl, it's okay, first and foremost, that you had a bad performance. It's okay, right? I don't care if it's the regional, the sectional, the state, first game of the year. Don't care, ready? You're going to have a bad performance. It's going to happen, right? You can't be perfect all the time. You can't try, you can't, right? So the, our job is to try to make sure we have those barriers broken down so that when it gets to regional, sectional, state, whatever the case, right? When it's state time or, or peak phase, whatever you want to look at it, our job is to make sure that we're trying to get those distractions away. We should have by that time at the end of the season, we've spent enough time with our athletes. We should know their chemistry of what they're doing, right? Because if we're paying attention, right? Instead of being too busy coaching, if we're 
paying attention to the needs and wants of our athletes. You know, as uh, Dr. Carr from Ohio University said the first day of my master's classes, shut up, sit down and take some notes. It was one of the best messages because I was going to, I was going to fix everything, right? <laughs> I was going to, I was going to coach him up. I would, you know, you remember me on the football field, you know, sitting <laughs> on the wrestling mats, right? And screaming and yelling with, it was positive, but I was coaching you through every single thing. And when I took my master's and started my master's in 08, that was the first thing that he said. And sound shut up and take some notes, right? And it was so, it was like an epiphany of that stepping back. And then that's when it all started happening for me. Now, I, I remember um, towards, as I was kind of slowly phasing out of, of coaching, I remember the last girls team that I coached and we ended up going to state. And they were surprised at how I approached competition. And so I had, you know, a handful of girls, you know, they'd run and their times were from their perspective, terrible. They'd come up to me and they're like, coach, like, what do I do? I don't want to get kicked off the relay. I was like, what are you talking about? And I had a couple of them. Well, I didn't run a good time. So it's the first meet of the season. Who cares? And they're <laughs> like, they, they kind of like froze and they're like, huh? It's like, who cares? Like, this is the first competition of the year if you have the expectation of running at, you know, that peak level or state level at the first meet, those expectations aren't realistic. And I think you and I have talked about those anxieties of some athletes are thinking so far in the future of where I want to be instead of taking care of what is now, make sure you're doing all the right things now formulating or building that foundation so then when you do get further into the season you can handle some of the stressors that competition brings especially from a track and field standpoint when you have a track meet on tuesday have to roll around maybe on a thursday or friday and compete again it's like how do you recover so i'm curious to know how do we how do we handle a parent that is bringing the anxiety on the child because the parent is a helicopter parent or is just so anxious that they have these expectations of where their athlete should be. So maybe a parent that's also vicariously living through their athlete, how do, as a coach or in your experiences, how have you dealt with those situations to kind of calm down an athlete so that when he or she is in competition, it's, you know, back of mind's not what mom and dad's thinking. It's like, Hey, what if, what has my coach and I gone through to help me compete at a high level? Well, how I would have handled it in my earlier days versus how I'm now a little more weathered, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, I handle it a little bit better. Uh, and I've been coached by some of the best on how to handle it. Um, identifying that the parents and talking to the kids about, you know, when you talk to your kids about your their parents, if you go to them and tell them that their parents are, you know, bad, then that's not going to go well. Right. So what, you know, we got to go to them and, 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 and it's skating on thin ice because we're talking about parents and we're talking about the people who are closest to them that brought them into this world. Right. That's their support. Number one support system. Right. So, and here's the really good thing, kid, is you have parents that are absolutely all in. Here's the really bad thing, kid. 
your parents are all in, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's first and foremost. You got to have fun with it, right? You got to have fun with, okay, how do we approach the parents and say, hey, man, can we have a little slack, right? Well, you're going to have some parents that absolutely, no matter what you do, they're still going to be in charge. They're still going to run everything, right? Okay. Well, you just try to pick, put the puzzle pieces together when you have that situation. And you just know that no matter what you do, it's not going to be good enough for them. And it's not going to be good enough for their kid. And that their special coach that they have on the outside or their or, or what they're doing training wise with them on the outside, you just got to like, hey, man, if you're doing all these other things with your parent or your parents taking you to your special coach because I don't know anything, that's fine. We're not changing that. So how about this? How about you let me know what you're doing with them instead of secretly doing it behind closed doors? Tell me what's going on, honestly. And then we'll figure it out because if they're doing stuff, we're doing stuff, that's called overtraining. I can't get you to do the things I want you to do. Your parents are wondering why your times aren't dropping and I'm training you here. They're training you like this. That's called overtraining. Well, if you're doing X, Y, and Z at home or with your special coach, when you're on my time, guess what? You're coaching your teammates and you're standing next to me helping me coach you what no you're gonna sit there and help me coach because then you're gonna process right you're gonna process and when you when you can get a kid to coach that event or that that sport right then you got something because now they understand the complexity of sport coaching and the understanding of the movement of the game right so if we can get them to then coach to take the physical break and mental break because they're getting it at home and they're not getting any rest, right? Well, then you're going to have the parent come back. Well, I, you know, my kid tells me that you're not allowing them to practice. Oh, no, they're practicing. Well, they didn't get to do this and this and this. No, because they need a break. What do you mean? Well, you guys are doing all these things, right? Okay, I didn't say you can't do them. I'm just, your kid needs a break, right? So that's one way I've done it. Here's, here's what I try to communicate is we're all in it for the same thing. We want your kid to do the best they can. You want them to do it because you want the scholarship, right? <laughs> you want the scholarship. You want money for college, right? What's the kid want? And when I have a parent that's really pushing hard their kid and I can feel that it's a stress, I always make sure I take the time to say, what do you want to do? What do you want? Take mom and dad, take me out of it, take your girlfriend, take everybody out of it. I don't want to, I don't care about anything else. The only thing I want to know about is what do you want? I want to go back to, you, you'd mentioned um, the athlete actually coaching another athlete. And so mm -hmm. I think Brett Bartholomew, um, he's got a book, Conscious Coaching, and he talks about having skin in the game. And the parent from, like you said, from the parent's perspective is like, why isn't my son or daughter practicing? It's like, no, you're getting the cognitive hours and just being able to actually take a step back and analyze the actual movement of whatever it is that 
the athlete is doing. So then it becomes just kind of second nature. Now the athlete is just kind of in that flow state as some of us call it to where nothing is, you're not thinking, you're just reacting to what's going on in the environment, which I've seen that from some athletes. It's like, Hey, why'd you do that? I don't know. It just felt right. It's like, ah, okay. Now my athlete is, is performing at that peak level. But then you also mentioned something to where, and I think this is so important for other coaches is what is the athlete doing outside and whatever they're doing? Because we know a lot of athletes are trying to get those scholarships and or NIL deals, I think. And as coaches and me being a former coach is like, how do we collaborate with their specialty coach so that we're not both stepping on the toes of each other and making sure that we're putting the athlete first and foremost. And I remember experiencing when I was in Texas coaching, I was working with the hurdler and her times were going down, I think every meet and our coach saw something. He's like, why are you doing that? He's like, oh, I'm going over it with my specialty coach. He had her stop doing what she was doing. She lost confidence. And so when you say, Coach Christensen, what does the athlete want? What is helping the athlete? Us as coaches, we need to step back and say, okay, this is what's working for my athlete. Let's keep on doing it instead of hey, it's my way or the highway and having this ego of saying, no, you're going to do it like this or else you're out of here. And I think a lot of coaches have that mentality and they're wondering, well, why don't I have the numbers that some other coaches or sports have? It's like, well, nobody wants a drill sergeant and nobody wants to be in an environment where they have no autonomy of their own athletic performance and ability. And so kind of wrapping things up, two questions. And the first question Um, And I'll preface it by saying this. And for me, being a sports performance, former sports performance trainer and coach, now I'm just trying to look at ways to blend mental health into sports because it's so important, especially athletes actually going to therapy. So how do you ensure that athletes feel comfortable seeking help and support for their mental health? Honesty. I don't lie to my kids lie to my wife I don't lie to my parents I don't lie to my my own kids uh I, I don't you know I, I don't lie to me right you know that uh just tell me the truth let's deal with the truth well this world that we live in it's never my fault right nobody wants to ever take ownership for what they did that's all we talk about is hey if you screw it up it's going to happen your young kid I'm I'm 49 years old I still make mistakes, ready? I'm gonna own them. So it's not my fault doesn't work with me. And if you're that kind of person, then you're not going to be around me because you gotta take ownership for whatever it is that we do, right? And if you don't take ownership for what you do, then that's yet another crutch that we have to lean on and that's another lie that we have to keep in our bag, that we have to make sure we cover, right? That's a stress. Once again, it comes back to that stressor. Yep, yep. I like that. And the second question, uh, as we you know wrap up this talk and about mental health and, and sports, what advice would you give to other coaches and or schools who don't have an environment that promotes mental health amongst their athletes? Listen, listen and watch. 
sit down, shut up, take some notes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Carr. But uh, I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, that's it took me a while, right? It took me a while because I was gonna fix everything, Kendrick. Right? I was gonna fix everything. And you know, I'm so lucky to have such a such a super awesome wife. You know, she's my rock. You know, she does everything. You know, we we communicate. We she she hands me my butt when I need it. You know, and uh, you know, and it's it, but she's also my biggest supporter, right? No, I think to to you when you say that. Listen, it is extremely hard. I think many of us coaches get into the field because we want to help athletes, and I think a lot of times at least from my, my experiences, that's how I was early in my career is I wanted to fix every single thing about mm -hmm. an athlete. And then I had to step back when, as you worded it, I, I was more weathered or more seasoned. I was like, you know what? I can't control everything in this environment, how an athlete eats, how an athlete sleeps, what's going on at home, how they perform. All I can do is make sure I provide them with the resources and tools to be successful. And then once you kind of let them go, whether it be a 100, 200 or 400 or whatever event it is in track and field or football or basketball, they themselves actually have to perform. So it's like the coaches takes a step back and it's like, Hey, you're on your own now. And I think that's as coaches, that's what we do is we help them to a point and then it's like hey the training rules are off what are you going to do with it and that was something I was big on when I was coaching track is I didn't coach at track meets we did all of our preparation during the week at the meets I was just taking pictures and athletes were like coach what do I do for this race well we went over it during the week Run fast, turn left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. And and there was an element too is like out. And some coaches may say, Well, you're not supportive. I am supportive because I want my athletes to learn on their own. I want them to learn from their mistakes. So being able to cultivate that environment, and as you mentioned, it's like athletes are gonna make mistakes. It's okay. You're not gonna have it all the time, you know. And so I think that all in all, us coaches. And, and again, me being a former coach, is we have to open up these spaces for athletes to fail, for athletes to be vulnerable, for athletes to take ownership of their mistakes and be able to admit when an athlete is wrong is the biggest thing. And then have that environment to say, okay, you got this, this, and this wrong. What do we need to do so these mistakes don't happen again? And that's when you start seeing like the true growth of an athlete and they're like, oh, coach, I can't wait to the meet next week or this, that and the other. So uh, with that being said, coach, uh, any do you have any final thoughts, um, you know, anything that we missed, anything that that you think is important to get out to athletes that that may see this? Well, here, here just sitting here listening, you know, I, I would be. Um, punching myself in the face if I didn't say this, you know, Coach Oles, once again, always channeled the environment around us that he had the freedom to fail, right? If you have freedom to fail, you're going to go out there and just go crazy, right? And I, that was one thing I wanted to make sure I said today is that I live and die by that, right? I live and die by going out there and just, you have all the freedom in the world to fail, 
we have fun, right? And if you are nervous, if you're scared, or if you're worried about that, to performing at your highest level at all times, you are not going to be able to compete at your highest level at all times. But what you have the ability to do is go out there and go as hard as you can, right? And fail. Because if you're failing, you're trying. And if you're trying at 100%, I can fix it. I don't believe in the 110% rule. Ready? I can give you 100%. I can't give you 110%. It's impossible. So I'm going to give you what I got. Is it going to be the same tomorrow? No, it's not. It can't be. Right? But give me 72 hours and I'll have that back in my pocket, coach. Right? But, um, you know, but the freedom to fail, I think, you know, I think ties in a lot, Kendrick, with what we're talking about. Kids are so athletes, grown athletes, college athletes, pro athletes, right? I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of pro athletes out there right now. Um, my text message to them would be, hey, go have some fun today, right? Don't forget to smile, right? Because, my, you know, that's what I always told you guys. Is, right. Hey, smile before you go, you know, because that releases the endorphins in your body to just relax and, hey, save, you know, just He's a day today because it's awesome, right? Coach, it's 30 degrees out and we're in a track meet. This stinks, you know? I know, but we could be doing something else that's not fun, right? So we got to seize this day an opportunity to make it fun. How are we going to make this fun? Going inside. <laughs> so, you know, I, I agree. I can't, I can't argue with that. Okay, good. But... You know, the, the ability, the freedom to fail kids, right? I do that in my classroom. I do that on the competition field, right? Because if you give me everything you got today, I know it's not your best, but if you give it everything you got, your effort alone, right? That's what Coach Young always talked about was, mm -hmm. what's the effort on your face? What's your effort, right? That's another thing that I've really learned from him is if we have the freedom to fail and your effort, your teammates can see it. Your parents can see it. If you're a college coach and you're watching a kid on film or you're coming to watch a game, you can see that effort, right, in a kid. You can't fake effort. You can, you know, the, the, the athletes that talk trash out on the courts or on the fields or whatever, we don't do that. My, my, you know, my guys do that. You know this. My guys do that. They're not. No, you're up. You're sitting. Why? We don't do that. Ready? It's not a positive environment. If you're talking trash to somebody else, you don't have confidence because you're knocking somebody else down. Right? You want to really screw them up? Go up into them and say, man, you're incredible. And they're going to be like, what is this guy doing? Right? Because they don't know how to handle it because everybody's here, right? There are athletes out there that just thrive off of people trash talking. Um, but the freedom to fail, I think, is 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 a lot of where where we need to look at things, right? Telling your kids it's okay, it's okay. We're, hey, you know what? You ran a fourteen second hundred. Do I need to walk up to that athlete, that male athlete, and go, "That was terrible." No, 
You already know that. You knew that your time stunk. Do I need to go up there and rub it in? What I need to do is walk up to him and go, is everything okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> What's going on? Is something hurt? <laughs> you know? Why, coach? Well, you just, you know, the, the track has not, we had to get out extinguishers, fire extinguishers, because you just tore that up. Coach, that was terrible. Well, I know, but it was more fun to say it that way than to let you diagnose it, right? So, what you know, and then they'll, they'll probably laugh or they'll end up crying, right? Because something you might have triggered something that, like, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right, there's our defined moment. Let's let's now let's go get it. So, the freedom to fail, the ability to sit down, shut up, take notes, right? Um, I don't have the answers, you know what I mean? I've just been really fortunate to be around some extraordinary people. Uh, my sister, my sister's been, been a very highly high level coach for, uh, volleyball. She played, you know, at Hillsdale college. Uh, she was a two sport athlete at Hillsdale college and, um, you know, watching her, she's my older sister. She's my big sister. I had to follow her. She was a stud muffin, man. I had to follow my sister. But here's what the cool thing was. She was a senior when I was a freshman in, in high school, right? There was nobody in that school who was going to mess with me. Nobody. Because she had my back. Right? She yeah. had my back. I knew she had. We could have our differences. She had my back. Nobody was going to mess with me, right? And nobody was going to mess with her either because she was pretty athletic. So, um, you know, but she, her coaching style, her intensity, her passion, right? You know my passion. You know Coach Young's passion. You, you've been around. My passion for what I do gets misconstrued as anger because I am just so amped up all the time and when I am being totally passionate and excited and a positive level I sometimes as my wife would say your tone stinks right (laughs) so I've got to look at that right so you know parents sometimes come up to me and said hey why are you yelling at my kid I'm like when did I yell at your kid well you were out there screaming and yelling like I was totally excited. Didn't you see me jumping up and down like a two-year-old, you know? So there's lots of things in there, Kendrick, that, you know, like I said, I don't have the answers. I've just, I've just been lucky to be around some great athletes, great teams, great coaches, great support staff. And when I keep saying that, I keep hearing myself saying I've, I've had lots of great things, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody's that fortunate. Yeah. So yeah. how do we share that how do we teach right coaches how do we teach athletes how to do that to be around great people how to identify great people what you what what you think is great what i think are great is going to be two different things right right for who you may date and who i may date are going to be two different things right so everybody has their own way of looking at it so we can't coach all the athletes the same way. We have to coach each individual athlete and, and help them cope 
right? Because we don't have good coping skills. We have to teach them to cope with their individual needs. That's a Absolutely. lot. That's a lot. And that's where your, your, your assistant coaching staff, your administration, right? Your, your team of coaches and staff come into play. And are you guys really all in it together? Kudos for, you know, being such a great mentor to me, being such a great coach to many of the athletes who have come under you, but also just being a good person. I think that, yeah, there are times where us coaches, we may say things and, you know, as a parent on the outside looking in, it was like, why is he yelling at Johnny or Susie? And it's like, no, my enthusiasm to help your child grow and to help your child be successful. That's what's coming through my voice. That's what's coming through my tone. I'm not bashing or shaming your child. I'm trying to help your child. So again, I want to give you your flowers and and just thank you and, and thank Pontiac Township High School for keeping you around in that environment because they see the benefit and what you bring to the table to the athletes that are involved in, you know, the sports that you've coached and now primarily with track and field. Um, so with that being said, also thank you for jumping on and having this conversation. I think it's important that more coaches are open to having discussions around mental health because it's, it's, it's here. It's not going anywhere. And as we transition out of, you know, from 2020 to 2022, those were two years where athletes and students are still trying to cope with what happened with the years that they lost. So again, I, I thank you for um, coming on here and, and being vulnerable and having this conversation. So I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. This was a fantastic episode around mental health, sports, how us coaches and former coaches deal with mental health with the athletes that we've seen or have worked with. If you like this episode, be sure to go out and like and subscribe. Share this episode with another coach or an athlete who may be able to benefit from this episode. Like I mentioned, mental health and athletics are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. And as we start to see the increasing number of students and athletes dealing with anxiety, depression, suicide, we as adults, we as coaches, we, for my case, being a marriage and family therapist, is how do we help athletes cope with some of the things that they go through in life? So again, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of Coats and Conversation. You can find all episodes on YouTube. Spotify or Apple. Be sure to look out for more episodes coming behind this one. And again, I thank you.